everybody. Welcome to another episode of Halitech Hall. It is Thursday, and we are on the brink, on the precipice, on the edge of Bears football actually happening. It is just a preseason game, but good morning, Mr. Halitech. How are you? It's game day, double A. Uh, I am super hyped. I'm actually going to be traveling down to Chicago right about after we finish recording this episode, uh, taking in the sights of Chicago and then then uh, sticking around for at least a portion of tonight's game. So I can't be more excited. It's going to be a great year. Indeed. Um, it's, uh, it, it's come very quickly. Uh, it feels like just a you know, short time ago we were digesting the playoff loss, and it's just been a whirlwind of of uh, activity and excitement and um, so forth. And, and here we are, we're one step closer to uh, actual games. And, you know, my, my feeling is just uh, let's, let's get through this preseason healthy and let's see what the, what we can uh, kind of get onto the, the back half of the, uh, the roster. Absolutely. Speaking of the roster in camp, uh, Aaron, you had the pleasure of getting down there one last time before camp closes on Saturday. Uh, give us your thoughts of what you saw uh, this past Monday. Uh, yeah, it was a it was a good practice. Um, it was definitely warm um, and still very crowded, even for a Monday. Uh, lots of people there. Um, this time I was actually able to get in uh, early b- before it started, and so I was able to, you know, kind of see the whole thing. Um, you know, good stuff. Um, the, the offense was working a lot on uh, uh, red zone and Hail Marys and hurry up. Um, so they were doing a lot of, uh, you know, get the ball up and spike it and then run a play um, kind of stuff. So that was good to see. Um, continue to, um, you know, see, I think, good development out of Mitchell. I mean, a lot of people have made uh, commentary that that he's looked uneven at camp and whatnot. But uh, in the two days that I went to camp, you know, I, I would not really say that he looked uneven. Um, I would just say that, you know, he is trying a lot of different things. Uh, the Last year when I went to camp, there was, you know, there was a lot of kind of um, – sloppiness and even a few moments where Nagy kicked the first team off the field because he wasn't happy with what was going on. Um, there was a lot more times where Mitchell was running the ball. Uh, so this this year, you know, not only as it's been said by many, um, is he going against, you know, Khalil Mack and Roquan Smith and, and the number one defense in the league. But, you know, he, he I feel like he has just a, a whole lot better command of everything. There's definitely a, a crispness uh, to what he's doing. Um, if anything, I would say the the biggest concern that I had out of camp um, on Monday was that Trey Burton did not practice again. Uh, he was dressed, but not in pads. And Shaheen got a chance and was practicing in full. Uh, and he really did very little with it. Um, he, he dropped some passes. He just looked kind of sluggish. Um, I don't know. I'm just not, I'm not sold on Shaheen. And, and as we've talked about on, on the tailgate show and on this show, uh, the tight end group is, is a concern. Um, although I do think that Broniker, uh, is going to step up and I think he looks good. 
And I mean, the, the, the team is taking a cautious approach with Burton, which I think is fine at the end of the day. I don't think he, you know, needs a ton of um, training camp, but I'm just concerned that he's going to be healthy at all. And then since part of his issue is kind of a mental uh, issue with, with this injury, is that going to continue to, to be something that uh, comes home to roost? But other than that, um, Javon Wims continues to stand out. Uh, David Montgomery looked very good. Mike Davis looked very good. Um, Khalil Mack continues to be, you know, just an impressive human being and player. He's the guy never takes a playoff. Um, you know, I said on our other show that, uh, that he runs out to the practice field, like Sammy Sosa, you know, it's a great field. Um, and he never, I mean, he just, the guy just goes a hundred percent every play and it's infectious. Um, so, you know, it was good. I mean, I saw some good development from, uh, Buster screen. He had some good pass breakups on some good passes. They just were broken up. It was a good play on both sides. Um, the one guy that I think is, will be worth watching, uh, tonight is, uh, this kid they got from Appalachian state duck, uh, or Clifton Duck, um, he's a de- defensive back, um, and he's been kind of flashing in practice. He had a couple of picks the day that I was there. Uh, Sherrick McManus um, played well. Uh, and probably the, the most fun part of camp was when Nagy decided to start throwing passes. Uh, he threw three deep balls uh, into the end zone uh, with some one-on-one drills. So he had um, Allen Robinson and Kyle Fuller and – and he threw it deep to him, and then Allen didn't catch the ball. Uh, but then he threw a deep one to Wims, and and he beat Fuller. And then he threw a deep one to Miller, and he beat Amukamara. Um, so that was fun. It was just cool to see Nagy out there, you know, slinging it. Uh, a lot of, all the ESPN guys were there, so I got to meet uh, David Kaplan, and I met Tom Waddle and Sylvie, um, and of course saw uh, Greg Braggs and. Um, so overall, it was a great day. Um, you know, I just think, you know, it continues to be a uh, great vibe around the team. And, and um, you know, so overall, not a great amount of worries about anything, um, you know, in terms of uh, how, how things went. I thought Mitch looked fine. Um, the defense is, continues to be, you know, a, a crazy strength for this team. So that's, that's, about, uh, that's about about sums it up. It's um, it's a shame that I live as uh, so far away from Chicago as I do because I'll only be able to uh, be in the stands for about the first quarter, and even then I'll probably get home about midnight tonight. Uh, so I am recording the game, and, and luckily uh, one of the local stations, believe it or not, up here is is showing the game live. Uh, so I'm going to be able to record it and and uh, watch. And of course, once I get back to my car, I'll be listening to the game and on the radio and yeah, I'm, I'm looking at a couple of things on a tight end. Of course, you know, we've mentioned the travails that, that Trey Burton and Adam Shaheen has had uh, Bradley soul has looked pretty good from what I'm hearing. Ian Bunting has shown a couple of flashes. You haven't heard a lot about him lately. Uh, Dax Raymond was kind of a, a guy to watch when camp opened, and I really haven't heard anything about him at all. Did you see anything from from Dax while you were there? Yeah, I mean, uh, Bunting and Dax got some reps. They weren't really uh, first-team reps. They were with the second and third team. So, 
Um, it, they both look fine. I mean, you know, I wouldn't say that anybody's, uh, you know, really jumping out. Um, I, I, to be honest, I think the most steady tight end other than Burton is Broniker. Um, you know, I, I mentioned on our other show that it just seems like when Mitch throws the ball to Broniker, it's a catch. I mean, at the end of the day, and that's what you want. Um, he's a big target uh, in the game, in the, in the family fest. Um, there was a m- moment that Broniker's um, been, it's been something that Broniker I think is good at is when Mitch is rolling out and uh, you know, kind of in between whether he's going to scramble or throw Broniker has a knack for sort of drifting in the right way and getting open. Um, but I would say if I was to rank the tight ends right now, if you're not talking about Burton, I would go Broniker, then Soul, but I really think he's more of a blocking tight end, uh, then uh, Bunting, then Raymond, and I would put Shaheen at the bottom of the list. I don't, I don't see anything out of Shaheen as to what they really thought he was going to be, and he didn't look hurt. He just doesn't look athletic, <laughs> and he looks big. I mean, he's big. Uh, but he's not, you know, anybody that I feel like is a kind of guy that's going to get any kind of separation. He's just a, a big target where I suppose you could throw it up to him and, <clears throat> you know, he'll come down with it, I guess. But the worry with him is every time he comes down with it, he gets hurt. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, but I think bunting has been a surprise. Um, I, I like him. Uh, Ellis Richardson got a couple catches, but it's hard when when you're, um, you know, when you have to go in and catch the ball from Tyler Bray as opposed to from Mitch. Um, you know, uh, one of the things I mentioned on the other show was that people have been talking about how great Javon Wims looks and how great Allen Robinson looks and, and all these things in Campbell. It's like, who's throwing them the ball? Mitch. So it's like you can't have it both ways. You can't you can't say that Mitch is uneven and looks bad, but Javon Wims looks great. It's like because he's throwing him the ball. So I don't know. It's just one of those things where the narrative on Mitch has has really, you know, has really kind of gone like wildfire. And, and of course, the national media picks up with it as well. One of the things that we've talked about on this show and we've heard on other podcasts and we've seen on on Twitter is if it doesn't fit the narrative, it's not worth talking about with the major press. Mm-hmm. And sadly, um, if Trubisky is having a great camp, the narrative would not have been Trubisky's having a great camp. It's the defense has taken a step back now that mm-hmm. Fangio is gone. Yep. Uh, but it's been lights out for the defense so far in camp. So, mm-hmm. of course, it's Trubisky's struggle. Right. I can't remember what day it was, whether it was Monday or Tuesday. I believe it was Tuesday when when Khalil Mack spoke to the media after practice. And he was asked about Trubisky. And the guy said, you know, we're throwing everything at Mitch. And he doesn't make the same mistake twice. And I think that speaks volume coming from your defensive leader about your quarterback. Yeah. most of the media is just flat missing. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens four weeks from tonight when Aaron and I will be sitting in section 433, I believe it is, mm-hmm. uh, watching watching the game. Uh, I'm excited, Aaron. I just I yeah. just can't tell you how excited I am about this offense and, and this defense and this team overall. Uh, 
1985, the Bears didn't have a great quarterback. As much as people loved Jimmy Mack, he didn't have the arm strength. He didn't have the mobility. The one thing he did have was Walter Payton. And the other thing he had, he absolutely knew what the defense was going to do when he lined up over center. And that's what Mitch has to learn. And it's coming. It's coming. And by far as, as athletics goes, we have never, let me repeat that, never had a quarterback with the gifted talents that Mitch Trubisky has. So uh, thanks for the, the thoughts on on camp so far, Aaron. We're going to talk about the, the five takes from camp in a minute, but before we do, wanted to make mention that our sponsor, Tick Splits, that's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com, has given away already tickets to both tonight's preseason game and the last preseason game at home to some of our followers on Twitter. And they have put up two tickets to the Bears game in November against the Detroit Lions. All we have to do to give them away is we just need to get to 500 followers. So if you are listening to this podcast, if you are following us on Twitter, please retweet us often. Please get your friends to come and listen in. This is a straight talk show. We don't we do not do anything flowery. We don't bash anybody. We don't talk bad about the other podcasts. And let's face it, guys, there are some great Bears Twitter podcasts out there, and you should listen to us, and you should listen to them, too, because there's a lot of great stuff out there from a lot of great character people. But give us a shot, because this is the only podcast that blends current events with history. So, so many of you that are listening to our podcasts and listening to other podcasts are in your 20s and 30s. And let's face it, you never saw Walter Payton carry a ball in your lifetime except for on film. But you can learn about Walter Payton. You can learn about George Hallis and Mike Ditka and Jim McMahon and Willie Gallimore and Gail Sayers by listening to this show. So give us a shot. Give us a try. You're going to love what you hear. TickSplits.com is giving you a chance to win two tickets to the Bears game against Detroit. And every time you want to buy tickets for any event, all you have to do is go to TickSplits.com, throw in the promo code TAILGATE, that's T-A-I-L-G-A-T, all caps, and you get 5% on any tickets, whether you're a sports fan, a Bears fan, a Cubs fan, a Blackhawks fan, a New York Islanders fan. I don't care. They've got tickets for every event in the country. In addition to sports, they have concerts as well. So all of your, your great acts that are out there, you can find tickets. If the event is sold out, that's why you go to places like StubHub and SeatGeek and TickSplits. But when you go to TickSplits, there are no service fees. So the price you see is the price you pay. And we're so glad to have them as our sponsor. Aaron, let's talk about the five takes that we've got so far from, from Bears camp. And they are, at least what I've seen so far, is Trubisky's growth, the chemistry between Allen Robinson and Trubisky, how scary good the defense is turning out to be, the development of rookie running back David Montgomery, and the tempo 
at the camp so far that has been just through the roof. So let's talk about Trubisky. We talked about Trubisky a little bit earlier when you were going through what you saw at camp. And as I mentioned before, Khalil Mack summed it up best that we're throwing a ton of stuff at Trubisky and he's not making the same mistake twice. Was he a little bit ragged during the first part of camp? Of course he was, but it's camp, it's practice. They're going to do things. They're going to practice things. They're going to try things they haven't tried before because it's practice. And the time you want to make mistakes is in practice. So the talking heads, you know, they didn't see the growth Trubisky had last year. And if they didn't, they're just either blind or they didn't watch any tape. And they're just going off of the repeated narrative that's been the narrative about Trubisky ever since the Bears traded up to draft him in 2017. But the guy is way ahead of where he was last year, and he's already grown in camp this year. The mastery he has of the huddle, the mastery he has of the game plan, the more adept he is at reading defenses, and the talent he now has surrounding him that's far superior to what it was even last year, which was lights out ahead of what it was in his rookie year. I see nothing but big things for Mitch Trubisky going forward. Aaron, what's your take? Yeah, I would echo all of that. I mean, as I mentioned before, his command is clear. He's clearly the leader of this team. Um, I think the offensive line is, is coming together really nicely. Um, you know, he has, uh, you know, just a, a, a more of a leadership and teacher role this year. He's teaching some of the new guys, the offense. Uh, Chase Daniel said that, you know, that last year he was learning this year. He's, he's teaching. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, he's trying some things. And you mentioned what Khalil Mack said and Khalil Mack also said, um, you know, that he sure he gets frustrated, um, but that's okay. Uh, and I think you also mentioned that he doesn't make the same mistake twice. And that's been one of his best qualities, to be honest, um, this uh, that I've seen in compared to other Bears quarterbacks uh, of the past. Jay Cutler would make the same mistakes twice all the time. Usually, if he made one mistake, you could you could book it that he was going to make the same mistake again in the same game immediately like you just knew oh this is going to be a j game where he's just going to put the blinders on and and throw the ball into stupid places and but mitch it just seems like he doesn't you know he doesn't do that i think part of it is he's got a lot of talent around him part of it is that Nagy, um you know is a great play caller um and so forth but you know i just think he really has a kind of that next play mentality and you know, he's a gamer. He's a winner. Um, and one example that I brought up on the other show was he had a throw in camp to Allen Robinson. That was a kind of a deep cross. I mean, it was maybe from like the 25, but a pretty deep pass uh, into the end zone. And he made a nice throw on it, but it was a little out in front of Allen Robinson. And Allen Robinson dove and caught it. And, the, and you know, everybody at camp was like, whoa, you know, like, look at that. Mitch's reaction to that was taking off his helmet and throwing it on the ground because he knew that that ball was overthrown and he made Allen Robinson dive to catch it. And it's an over the middle pass, you know, so 
it, it's like he's a perfectionist, and I think that that's a really good thing. You know, he knows that there was some times where he overthrew people, and he knows that Anthony Miller could have had a ton more stats last year if Mitch could have just thrown him some better balls. And he knows that Allen Robinson got his ribs hurt in this 49ers game diving to catch a pass that was too far for him. And, you know, and he's just aware of all this stuff, and I really think he's, you know, he cares so much, and he's working so hard to get better every play and every snap. And, you know, so I just think, I mean, I don't know if he's ever going to be like, you know, an MVP or, or a guy that throws for 5,000 yards or 50 touchdowns or, or any of that. I don't know. I don't know if he, but I don't know if he really has to be. Um, I just think, you know, what you need to see from him is what you are seeing, which is that, he just has to be better than last year and not have those moments where he makes those throws that just make you scratch your head. Um, and I think he's going to do that, uh, you know, and, you know, it, it's it's nice that we have so many people at camp that are sort of um, following this and, and shout out to all those people that are. Uh, but sometimes I think it's a little too much. You know, we're, we're kind of, uh, you know, charting his his passes one by one at training camp and it's like you know it's not it's not always fair um so uh i think you know i think we're seeing what we need to see out of him and i don't have any concerns that he's going to be a better quarterback than last year and i and i'm and as we mentioned i don't think i have any concerns that the defense is going to be as good as if not better so that's all we need mitch trubisky threw for 3,200 yards in only 14 games. He threw 24 touchdown passes. The record, the record for touchdown passes in a season by a Bears quarterback is only 29. He had a a quarterback rating of 95.4 last year. And people still are giving him grief. He's learning. He's young. He only started 12 games in college. He's only started 26 games in the NFL. He was in a first-year offense. One of the things that we talked about with Jay Cutler for years and years and years, great talent, had a little bit of an attitude problem, but he had as many offensive coordinators as he had years with the Bears, it seemed like. So the, the continuity that the, he has with, with Dave, with Rags, they call him, with, with Nagy, with Helfrich, second year in the system, he's mastered the playbook. He, do, he doesn't have to sit back and think about what he has to call in the huddle. He can rattle it off. His command in the huddle is something else. It's going to be a different year. Is he going to throw for 40 touchdowns? I don't think so. Does he have to? Definitely not. He threw for, what did I say, 20-some-odd touchdowns this past year? 24 touchdowns. He threw six touchdowns in one game against Tampa. He threw seven touchdowns in the entire 12 games he started the year before. Has he grown? Absolutely. We're going to be talking about Mitch Trubisky all year long, I'm afraid. Uh, I, for one, am firmly implanted in Mitch Trubisky's corner. And you can you can see a hashtag all in on Mitch 
on my personal tweets, as well as you'll see him on, on Halitech Hall. Uh, Mitch Trubisky is the best quarterback the Bears have had since Sid Luckman. And I say that without doubt, without reservation. Aaron, any last thoughts on Trubisky's growth before we move on? No, I mean, listen, no, there's, there's, for whatever reason, the Bears, the Bears just get a lot of hate. Um, they have a huge fan base, and when they're good, everybody's up and and talking and boasting about them. You know, when the Bears are good, more money gets placed on them in Vegas and Atlantic City than any other team. It's a sleeping giant of a fan base, so it doesn't surprise me that. You know, this though we've got all these haters and honestly, I'm okay with it. I'd rather have it that way. I don't I don't want a ton of people out there predicting the Bears winning the Super Bowl. I'd rather have, you know, people. um, But the the mentality with Trubisky, I think, is just very uh, it's about our fantasy football mentality that people have. Um, And so they feel like because, yeah, I mean, Mitch might be like the 15th best fantasy quarterback that that somehow matters in real football, but it doesn't. Um, so, and you know, and but I think what does matter is something that you mentioned is that for the Bears, he's already fantastic, and he's he's just you know the arrow is pointing up, and so I hope that people just <clears throat> sit back and enjoy this guy um, because you know he's he's. I feel like he's going to be here for a long time and he's going to have a lot of success. And he's somebody that, you know, when it's all said and done, uh, should really cement his place in, in bears history um, as one of the best to, to already do it. It's we've talked about on the show that it's not even going to take much for him to move right up the, the leaderboard for, for all time stats for a bears quarterback. So, I mean, you know, it, it's it's going to be a hot button thing no matter what. Um, you know, it, it's it's never going to stop. You know, the the Colin Cowherds of the world are going to continue to talk about him, and and it's because when you talk about him, you get clicks and you get a reaction, and you know, even on the the local stations here, the local radio, it continues to be a a hot button topic, and um, that's not going to change. I mean, the Bears quarterback is. Uh, probably one of the highest pressure positions in sports. Um, But I think he relishes that. I think he really wants to be great. And I think he's taking the challenge head on. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm all in on Mitch as well. It's going to be a fun year, definitely. And one of the reasons why it's going to be such a fun year is the next take that we have from camp. And this actually started in the second half of last year. And that's the, the chemistry between Trubisky and in our number one wide receiver, Allen Robinson. Uh, Allen Robinson played a lot of the end of last year with, with a couple of cracked ribs that nobody knew about. And as you mentioned earlier, it was on a pass against San Francisco that Trubisky had to overthrow, and or not had to, but he overthrew. Allen Robinson dove for it, ended up injuring his ribs. And he just wasn't the same the rest of the year. But the guy just played lights out in the playoff loss to to the Philadelphia Eagles. And that fourth quarter, man, I tell you, what what we saw was the birth of what could be one of the best quarterback wide receiver chemistries we're going to see in the entire league this year. 
Absolutely. Uh, and then that co- that chemistry and that connection is uh, continued. It's definitely the highlight of camp. Um, I can't, I mean, there hasn't been in the two days that I went to camp a time where I remember Mitch throwing the ball to, to Robinson and it not being a catch. Um, you know, he's, he's looking healthier. Um, he's fully recovered from his knee injury, which, you know, was still a process through last year. Um, and I just think Mitch's trust level is extremely high with him. Um, he knows where he's going to be. They're developing that, you know, that sense with each other. And um, I think that that's, you know, that's only going to continue to grow. I think he's really going to, um, you know, be a guy that Mitch can count on and can, you know, to make big plays, to make, you know, little plays, to, to be that safety net. Um, you know, and another guy that's uh, that you know that played a lot of the year hurt is Anthony Miller, and Anthony Miller should be healthy too. Um, and so that's going to be another guy, and a guy that's really developed in this camp is Javon Wims, and he's a big target. Uh, Mitch has already done really well uh, throwing the ball up high to him, and him coming down with some great um, catches and you know some 50-50 balls. Um, so that's <laughs> that's really exciting. And then let's not forget, you know, Taylor Gabriel. I mean, this guy's no slouch. Uh, I mean, I was watching the highlights of that first Vikings game the other day, um, which is unfortunately when that jag off Harrison Smith injured Mitch's shoulder. But I mean, some of the some of the um, catches that Taylor Gabriel made during the year on, uh, you know, third downs, big plays. I mean, just. And people are forgetting about this guy. There's so much talk about the fourth, fifth, sixth, who knows, whatever receivers. You're forgetting that, you know, the top three of Gabriel, Allen Robinson, and Miller, and not in that order, but are are excellent, you know. And so um, <clears throat> never before have there been a receiver core with this type of depth in, in the history of the Bears. There's been times where there's been guys who are very good, you know, Brandon Marshall, Alshon Jeffrey type of players marcus robinson marty booker you know uh you you know you can go down the list but never before has there been times where the fourth receiver is as good as you know and then and you don't even you know riley ridley has really done almost nothing in camp and he's still talked about as a guy who's poised to make the roster and so yeah i mean the alan robinson connection is alive and well and it's just growing and it's a real number one receiver connection. So uh, it's gonna it's it's gonna be fun to watch. It is gonna be fun to watch. Another thing that's gonna be fun to watch, of course, this year and all throughout Bears history, Bears have been noted as a defensive team, and and the defense from everybody's impressions, from from the talking heads to probably the the fan that doesn't know an I formation from a T formation is the defense this year is just going to be scary. Good. You got the chance to see it live at least twice this, uh, this preseason or this camp. What are your thoughts about the bears defense? And they're picking up right where they left off. Um, Akeem Hicks and, and um, Khalil Mack are all world. Uh, their energy is infectious. They're 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 just the way that they hustle, the way that they get after it, the way that they lead by example is amazing. Um, Roquan Smith, you know, wasn't in camp last year. 
that guy is just he's everywhere he's you know he's in every play and he does not give up on anything he can you know run sideline to sideline he looks great um kyle fuller still kyle fuller eddie jackson is still eddie jackson um haha clinton Dix has gotten in the mix and and looks like he's fitting right in buster screen had some early uh struggles in camp i don't know if i'd call them struggles but whatever um you know it's another one of those things where it's like well buster screen is struggling but they're talking about that instead of mitch making a good throw <laughs> and then when buster screen makes a good play they don't talk about buster screen making a good play they talk about mitch making a bad throw it's like take your like pick you can't, can't be both but screen had some good pass breakups when i was there um amukamara looks fine uh what's what's been impressive to me i think is that i had a lot of question marks about the other cornerbacks um and i think the pagano effect as being one of the best defensive back coaches ever um is that there you're seeing a lot of development from john franklin from Kevin Tolliver, from uh, this, you know, the guy I mentioned, Clifton Duck, um, who, I mean, who the hell knew who he was uh, a week ago? I didn't. Um, I don't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. kid from Appalachian State, who I don't know, but all of a sudden he's making uh, interceptions in camp. Um, you got uh, Dion Bush looking solid. DeAndre Houston Carson, uh, Sherrick McManus looks reborn um, playing safety and corner. I don't think he's just going to be stuck on the special teams this year. I just nothing that I've seen from this defense or that most people have seen in, in, from this defense in camp that I've read has leads any should lead anybody to believe that there's going to be any regression. I think that's that should be put to bed. Short of health issues and injuries, which, of course, is always a concern, this defense should be as good, if not possibly better. And I know that's that's crazy to say because their statistics last year were out of this world. But, I mean, I just don't – I just have a hard time imagining this team not getting better, um, you know, with the talent that they have. I mean, Bilal Nichols looks amazing. Roy Robertson-Harris looks fantastic. Kwiatkowski is getting in the mix. Joel Iubunue is like shredded up and super fast. I mean, it's it. They got so much depth. You know, you don't even mention a guy like Danny Trevathan. You know, who's won a Super Bowl and is a is a Pro Bowl, uh, you know, candidate every year. So it, it's it's amazing how much talent they have on defense, and um, you know, no matter what, that they're going to be in every game. They're going to be in every game. And that's that's just that's awesome. That's what we love. Here's what's scary about this team and the, this defense in particular. Let's assume for a moment that the Bears offense is going to be better than it was last year. And I think that's not a stretch. I think it's going to be better than it was last year. That means two things. It means, A, they're going to score more points. And B, it means they're going to be on the field longer. The Bears' defense wasn't on the field that much last year, but they were in a lot of close games. When you have a close game, an offense can be wide open. If you're, you have a wide open offense, it's unpredictable. You can run when you're expected to pass and vice versa. And that's when defenses are most susceptible to bigger plays. If the Bears are out in front, especially when you get into the later portions of the second half, 
it's pin your ears back and fly because they're not going to be running the ball. They're going to be throwing on just about every down. And if that happens, it's going to play right into the, the team speed of the Bears defense. And their backups can come in and spell their first stringers and not lose much. We didn't even talk about Kwiatkowski. We didn't talk about Aaron Lynch. We barely have mentioned Leonard Floyd in any of our podcasts so far this year. We haven't talked about Duke Shelley and Michael Joseph and Stephen Denmark and Jonathan Mincy and DeAndre Houston Carson. We spoke just a minute ago about Deion Bush. And these are all guys that are now fighting for roster spots on what is the deepest defensive unit I have ever seen in the history of the Bears franchise. So it's just going to be fun to watch this defense. And if they are spelled by the, the offense, and let's face it, there's going to be times where Coach Nagy is going to want to strike quick to get a lead. He's going to want to chew up some time, especially if the other team's offense gets on the field and has somewhat of a, of a long uh, a long drive with you know six, seven, eight, ten plays to give the defense a chance to, to get a breather. So there's a lot that goes in to a Bears offensive game plan versus what is happening during the course of the game. If the Bears are up by three touchdowns, they're, of course, going to try to eat clock. If they eat clock, the Bears defense stays on, on the sidelines and is well-rested. So when they do come in, it's lights out. So everything ties into everything else in, in the game of football. If the offense is struggling, the defense has to play lights out to keep them in the game. If the offense is doing well, the defense gets well-rested and can attack because the other team's offense has to be one-dimensional. It's going to be a lot of fun this year. The defense is just going to be exciting, Aaron. I, I just don't know what else to say about it. So the next part on our list is is – Rookie sensation, David Montgomery. And when they first got to camp, when the Bears first got to camp, Coach Nagy was joking about David Montgomery was pissed. He wouldn't even talk to Coach Nagy because he couldn't put his pads on. He wanted to get out there and show what everybody could, what he could do. He put his pads on and absolutely showed everybody what he can do. The one of the runs he had, was it Monday when you were there? I think it was. He went through about four tackles and just obliterated some defensive back on the play. And the guy is just the real deal. What are your thoughts of what you've seen from David Montgomery while you were personally there and other things that we've heard as well through our, the Twitterverse of Bears Twitter? Yeah, um, I wasn't there for that big run, um, but, you know, it, what I've seen from him is he looks, you know, he looks fantastic. I mean, he's he's fast. His, his cuts and everything are just as advertised. Uh, he can catch the ball, um, you know, and he can catch the balls that are not fantastic balls. Like, the, the Jordan Howard could catch, but the ball had to be perfect. Uh, I think Mitch has been doing better at throwing into the flat and throwing to running backs so that they can make a play after they catch the ball. But um, David Montgomery can catch the ball over his head, can catch the ball low, can catch the ball outside. You know, he's just he's got the full package of skills. Uh, and <clears throat> Mike Davis, too. 
can do all that stuff. Mike Davis is a lot faster than I thought he was going to be. Um, you know, they've got a, a, a couple guys that really are going to be scary. And then, you know, um, Tariq Cohen, yes, you know, you're wearing his jersey today. Um, you don't forget about this guy, man. I mean, this guy looks great in camp too. He is fast, cuts everything, and I mean, it's just going to be unbelievable when you have Davis, Montgomery, Patterson, Cohen out there. I mean, it's it's just going to be a nightmare for teams to try to figure out what they can do. I mean, where are they? Who are they going to cover? I mean, linebackers are not can't stay with Tariq Cohen and David Montgomery. Like, period. Um, and so the the one of the things I think we are going to get to see a fair amount in the preseason is Montgomery. Nagy has said he, you know, because he's he's a rookie, he's going to get some PT. Um, and I'm excited for that because this guy just pops. I mean, he gets the ball and it's just electric. You know, he's he's making moves and he doesn't go down. And, um, you know, he's already talked about how, uh, you know, he's been watching Walter Payton film like nonstop. And, um, you know, he's already notorious as a worker and as a as a gym rat and as a, you know, guy that's just watching film. So, you know, right now this looks like a, a pick that, you know, Pace knocked out of the park and also is another guy that just seems like a quality uh, human being, um, you know, uh, I think Hakeem Hicks mentioned something the other day about uh, out, about Pace's roster construction, basically that, uh, you know, hey, we just don't we're, we're not bringing in any assholes, <laughs> like I think was the exact quote. And um, that's the truth. And David Montgomery not only seems like a super talented player, but just seems like a, a guy that you, you feel, you know, proud to buy your kid a 32 jersey. I might have to get one of those soon. You'll be surprised at my jersey collection. I, I will show it to you. I promise. Before we start with uh, with one of our episodes, because we can we can see each other when we're recording this. You know, there's two guys that you didn't even mention that are still getting. One guy's getting a little bit of play, and the other guy is an absolute dark horse, and he's been fighting through a couple of injuries, but might be the very the fastest running back on the roster, and I'm talking about Ryan Nall and the speedster Kareth White. So here again, the bottom of the depth chart are a couple of guys that, that if they don't make the team, might not be able to stick on the practice squad and end up getting signed by somebody else. Yeah, Kareth just hasn't really practiced much. He's been hurt. Nall has looked good. Um, he hasn't really gotten any first team reps, but he's good. He's big. He's fast. I, I just have a hard time. I don't know. I just have a hard time seeing where he's going to be on the roster. I feel like they're going to carry more wide receivers. Um, and then unfortunately, because the tight end position has kind of not shaken out the way that they want, they might end up carrying more tight ends than they wanted to, um, you know, so it, it, he could just kind of be an odd man out, which is a shame, but this is what happens with good teams. I mean, you're going to cut talented players. And and one of the things Khalil Mack said was, you know, because they asked him, what do you want to see Thursday night? And he said he wants to see dominance. You know, whoever's playing, dominate. Get, get, get yourself on film. You might not be on this team, but put something on tape. So, you know, that's the mentality that they have. So these guys, you know, even if they're not going to be on the Bears, they're auditioning for the next team that might be interested in them. That's such a 
key point, Aaron. You're not out there trying to make the Bears. Obviously, that's your goal is to, to make the 53-man roster for Chicago. But you're also auditioning for 31 other teams at the same time. So if you happen to be part of a numbers game, you still can catch on with another team. If you're one of the best top 53 divide, multiplied by 32 in the league. So it's it's a chosen few that can get there. And, and everybody on that team has got to play like that's the last play of their career, or at least could be the last play of their career. And quite frankly, at any given moment, any team can lose somebody. So if you're that sixth guy or you're the guy on the bubble at any one of the, the, the positions on the depth chart, you got to play your ass off in order to get something on tape and flash. So if we don't keep you, somebody else might say, hey, let's give this guy a shot. So important. David Montgomery has been a steal. Karis White, we haven't seen a lot of but one thing we have seen so far and this is the last take of camp so far is the tempo at camp the tempo has been absolutely through the roof uh coach Nagy remarked in one of his last press conferences is not one time has he asked the players to pick it up the guys are all just flying around and the players are reminding the younger guys to keep the tempo up. So the leadership from the, the veterans all the way down to the last man on the roster has been something that, quite frankly, I've never seen. Yeah, definitely. I would rec- I would definitely echo that sentiment. Um, I mentioned it on the tailgate show that uh, it's, it's fast and furious at camp. It's hard to keep track of. Um, you know, and you're, you're trying to tweet and, you know, uh, send out little takes and whatnot as you're going. And, and if you look down at your phone for a second, you might miss a whole roster switch. Um, cause they are, they're quick, they're in and out, you know, there's things going on all over the place. Um, you know, Nagy's got a great coaching staff from Mike Furry, the receivers coach who is just always turned up and, and ready to go. Um, you know, he looks like he could go out there and, and play, you know, the way he's, uh, how fit he is. I mean, he was, you know, obviously was a former wide receiver himself. Charles London, the running back coach, um, Monachino, uh, the, you know, the linebackers coach, obviously Pagano's out there fired up, you know, and talking, uh, which is nice because that's one of the things I didn't love about Fangio is how quiet he was and how he was always up in the booth and, you know, those kind of things. Um, I think Pagano is, is really out there and, you know, keeping them fired up. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's quick, it's fluid. They're in and out. It just looks, it's professional. Um, you know, you're not, and I don't think this is necessarily a bad thing, but the, the previous camp, there was a lot of, you know, kind of goofing around and dancing around and, you know, and, uh, a lot of that was from Bellamy and, and Cohen. And, um, I mean, I haven't seen any of that. Uh, you know, these guys are locked in, they're watching, you know, they're waiting to get in, and it's important that they that that they're in and out, and it's obviously you know they're policing themselves. Um, and uh, Nagy mentioned that the reason he even thought of that was because Eddie Jackson mentioned it in like a um, you know like a breakdown or a huddle. You know, was saying like, hey, you know, let's keep this up because Coach hasn't had to tell us to 
to get it going um, at all. And, and, you know, the day that I was there at camp, Maggie kind of mentioned, well, this could have been the day where, you know, they were sluggish. They had just played the game. They had just, you know, the, the you know, people talk about a camp that, you know, you kind of lose your legs, then you have them, then you lose them again. And, you know, <clears throat> they just seem to be locked in. Um, and so it's good to see. It was great to see. In fact, coach Nagy mentioned that he's in one of his latest, um, talks to the press after practice. He said, you know, dead legs happen. They happen every year, but this team this year has been able to fight through that and continue that fast pace. So it's absolutely been great to see. We're going to come back with the second half of our show after a message from from our sponsor, Ticksplits. Are you tired of ticket fees? Pay the price for your ticket that is advertised and not a penny more. Go to Ticksplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Fantastic prices on all sports and concert tickets. Guaranteed seats, no fees. Ticksplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. All right. <laughs> we are back. Thanks again to Dick Splits for their continued support. Um, DickSplits.com. Use the promo code TAILGATE for 5% off your order. Uh, yeah, let's get right back into it. Um, you know, uh, we saw the first depth charts were released, um, which, you know, you could put some stock in. You shouldn't put all the stock in it, but they do have to release a depth chart for uh, a season game, so they certainly did that. Um, and I think you wanted to talk a little bit about the, uh, the receivers uh, on the depth chart. Absolutely. So when the first depth chart got released earlier this week, it was interesting to note that both Ridley and Wims are in the top six. I thought that was fascinating to see, especially Ridley, who is a rookie. And as a rookie, uh, after fighting through some injuries, finally got back on the field on, at camp just this past week. And he's still in the top six. What is, what is your take on that? Yeah, I mean, they like him. You know, uh, he had really good OTAs. He, he missed uh, some some practice um, in training camp. Uh, he got he was on the field on Monday when I was there, but he didn't get a lot of reps. He was mostly just doing warm-ups. Uh, Tuesday, he did get some action, caught some balls. Uh, I think he was mostly with the twos, maybe a little bit with the ones. Um I mean, the kid's just, you know, he's he's got what they want. He's a great route runner. Um, but he's being pushed by uh, Marvin Hall, I think, for sure. Um, Marvin Hall has looked really good in camp, too. And he's a he's a veteran, you know, receiver um, that's uh, that's played with the Falcons. And and he's got a lot of speed. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I would I would have a hard time imagining Ridley getting cut. Um, and I don't think he would make it to a practice squad. So he's he I feel like is going to make the roster uh, Wims it, it looks fantastic. I mean, Wims to me has been the second best receiver in camp just in terms of getting the chances and capitalizing on them. I mean, it, obviously, there's other people that are good in camp, but but he's been getting the ball thrown to him and he's been making catches, making the crowd ooh and ah over his, you know, uh, high pointing the ball and one handed catches and. Um, I mean, he just looks like he's a professional receiver. Uh, and from what I've heard from him, you know, he's really <clears throat> just focused on his on his fundamentals. And Alan Robinson's really taking him under his wing and and, uh, you know, showing him what it means to be a professional receiver. I was listening to an interview with him and he's talking about, you know, Jerry Rice and, 
how Jerry Rice was not the fastest guy on the field, uh, but he was a technician, you know, and I think that's what that's what Wims is trying to become. And that's honestly what you have to do to have success on this team. Um, you know, even uh, Miller and Gabriel last year had some issues with uh, route running and found themselves losing, you know, um, playing time as a result of it. More Miller than Gabriel. But, um, you know, I think the the high level of perfectionism that uh, Nagy and Helfrich and Furry have um, in terms of the routes is is really is really, you know, just sharp and on point. And and these guys are all starting to to get it uh, and Riley Ridley was <clears throat> was noted by many scouts as the best route runner in the draft period so you know another steal by pace really absolutely so for those of you that have not seen the depth chart on side one in wide receivers Allen Robinson is first string Anthony Miller is second and Javon Wims is third and on the other side you've got Taylor Gabriel Cordero Patterson and Riley Ridley as first, second, and third. And of course, many times you're going to see three and sometimes four wide receivers on the field at the same time. Marvin Hall, Jordan Williams Lambert, who I haven't heard much about at all, heard of some good things about him coming into camp, but not much since camp began. Emmanuel Hall, Tanner Gentry, Taekwon Mizell, Thomas Ives. Joe Walker. Those are the, all of the other wide receivers that are fighting for what I believe will be the seventh roster spot for wide receivers when we open the regular season four weeks from today against Green Bay. Uh, Marvin Hall, obviously, with his veteran experience, has probably got a leg up on that seventh spot. But uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of Tanner Gentry fans out there because he wowed us in the training camps in years past, and he's shown a couple of flashes again this year. Uh, but it's nice to know that that we have all of this talent that's far superior to what Tanner Gentry brings to the table. Yeah, um, I, I would, you know, also say that um, somebody who's shown some good uh, work is Thomas Ives, a kid out of Colgate. Um, he can definitely catch the ball. Um, he kind of looks like a you know, like an Ed McCaffrey type, um, kind of big, not that fast, but catches the ball. Um, I don't know how he really makes this team, um, to be honest. Um, you know, Joe Walker's a guy they picked up out of Delaware, kind of a late pickup, joined camp late, but he got on the field uh, when I was there. Uh, Jordan Williams Lambert, you know, has had some run with the threes. Um, nothing real special. I, I continue to think that Emmanuel Hall is going to be an uh, injured reserve um, player for them. Um, they've been kind of, you know, going through the motions of trying to get him on the field, but he also had the hernia surgery like Burton um, and really hasn't seen the field much. So I think they might stash him on IR. Um, I could really see a scenario where Corderell kind of ends up being in the running back group and they, and they end up keeping, um, you know, one of these other guys uh, as a wide receiver you know, um, cause you've got, if you, you know, let's say that you slot Marvin Hall. Um, I don't think Gentry, I mean, Gentry, I don't know. He is what he is. Um, you know, he, 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 he can definitely, um, play against the twos and the threes, but when you get him against the ones, it's not really, 
you know, it, it's not really, uh, he doesn't look like he's a, you know, a top flight guy. So I don't see him making the roster, but um, I could just, I don't, I don't see them keeping seven wide receivers, but I do think that maybe, you know, that might go down where Nall is a casualty, a cut casualty and Corderell ends up being kept as a running back slash special teamer, even though he's going to play all over the field and he's looked fantastic at camp too. Um, and then you get, you know, basically Gabriel Robinson, Miller, Ridley, Wims, and Hall. Um, that's that's going to be your your guys. So we'll see. Um, just so much depth, though. I mean, unbelievable talent. You know, to go where we were with, uh, you know, Kendall Wright <laughs> being the uh, the best receiver on the Bears, and then picking up Dontrell Inman. Uh, and Deontay Thompson's of the world and, and these, you know, just, just like who and what and how, and, you know, now, you know, Mitch has just got like a stable of, of horses to, to run with. So it's cool to see. It's so much better now than it was when we were, we were hoping that Daniel Braverman and Aris Curry would make the team as, as wide receivers because they had a little bit of flesh in camp. So there's, there's some, Definitely some names in the past that have uh, pleased the hearts of Bear fans during camp, but never quite made it. There was actually, I, I don't know if it was you that posted it on Twitter, but uh, you know, Braverman is, is still playing in the Canadian Football League, but he's not even on an active roster right now. So it was kind of interesting to see, but, but uh, needless to say, we can't be more happier with the roster depth at wide receiver than we are right now. I well, I mean, the- I was just going to add one thing was that uh, it, you recall in the off season, people were, uh, you know, banging the drums and, and grabbing their pitchforks about Ryan Pace, letting Cameron Meredith go um, last previous before 2018, uh, you know, and then you see that he's just been cut by the saints and he was picked up by the Patriots. But um you know, I mean, because he was a guy that had 888 yards uh, in 2016, and and you know, for the Bears, I mean, that's that's a great season for a wide receiver, and and people were just like, why wouldn't we, you know, just uh, take take this guy, you know, and 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 lock him up, and you know, obviously, unfortunately, he was a guy that got injured in preseason, um, but now, you know, to be where we're at now, where I mean, some of the guys that are gonna get cut are are better than Cameron Meredith, you know, at all. So it's, it's just, it's amazing how far the roster has come. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that injury to, to Cam was just gruesome. Just absolutely gruesome. And, and uh, uh, it was sad to see he's a good kid. He was a free agent. Uh, he did everything the right way. One other spot on the roster I thought was interesting was the starting at, defensive end on the opposite side of uh, Akeem Hicks, and that's Bilal Nichols. He's now worked his way to being the starting end on the opposite side of Akeem Hicks. I thought that was a little bit of a surprise, but when you have heard all of the great things coming out of camp about Nichols, is it really a surprise at all? No, he looks great. I mean, he's, he's, he's really good. Uh, Roy Robertson Harris um, is also a guy that I think could move out to end um, at times. 
Um, and I think Jonathan Bullard, um, you know, will, they're going to, they're just going to have a good rotation of, of players. And that's what you need, you know, for these, uh, for, you know, your, your defensive tackles and your nose tackle. And, um, you know, I mean, we don't even talk about Eddie Goldman and Eddie Goldman is, is a pro bowl level nose tackle. And, um, you know, so you're going to, I mean, they're going to get so much pressure inside, um, which is amazing. And again, you mentioned it before. We don't even talk about Leonard Floyd. I mean, I'm no, I don't, I know a lot of people have, have mentioned this and they, they think that Leonard Floyd has to have 10 sacks this year. Leonard Floyd, I don't, I don't really feel that way. I think Leonard Floyd just has to play good, solid football, be out there for 16 games and he's going to get, he's going to get um, his, make his plays um, and his, you know, he's going to do what he does and he's going to be a solid contributor um, but I think you're going to get a lot of pressure from inside and, and Bilal Nichols, you know, he has really, uh, attached himself to Akeem Hicks and that's been a great thing to see, uh, his development and he just looks fit and fast and ferocious. It's going to be fun before we, uh, finish talking about the wide receivers, uh, Cameron Meredith, 888 yards in 2016, ranks 27th all-time for a Bears wide receiver in terms of, of yards during a season. There's only been 15 wide receivers that have eclipsed the 1,000-yard mark. So, um, you know, Cam was – he was good. Um, unfortunately, the injury was so severe that the Bears medical staff didn't think that, that extending him or – Agreeing to a contract that uh, the Saints had had signed in front of uh, in front of him was something that they wanted to match because of the health concerns. And it turns out, guess what? Hey, everybody, the Bears were right uh, all too often. Uh, Bears, even Bears fans, not just the detractors, but Bear fans often think that the Bears make some bad personnel moves. But Ryan Pace has been right more often than wrong. Has Ryan Pace made some mistakes? Sure. Sure he has. So has every GM in the league. But now they're at the point where their roster is stacked both offensively and defensively. Players took less money to come to the Bears to play for them this year because they see the culture. They see what's going on. Last but not least, before we get to the last segment of our show, which is something that I think is really exciting, Khalil uh, Mack was talking to the press, and he, one of the writers, I, I don't remember who it was, he said he was, Khalil Mack was reading from the book of C. Wood. C. Wood was uh, Charles Woodson, and Charles Woodson imparted some knowledge on the Khalil when he was a rookie, saying, hey guys, you're young, but the veterans on this team need to win now. We need to win now. And that's what he and Akeem Hicks have been preaching to the rest of the team. We need to win now. There's a sense of urgency about this team, especially on the defensive side of the ball. You can't play at the top level for years and years and years. You have a window. And the window for the Bears has opened up. It opened up late last year. And aside from from uh, a terrible defensive play by McManus, 
Uh, and uh, you know, we didn't have Eddie Jackson when we didn't have uh, Bryce Callahan on that last drive that Philadelphia scored that go-ahead touchdown on. And that's that's just eaten at at the defensive guys that, that are still on this team. The time to win is now, and I think you guys are going to be really excited about this team in, in 2019. 2019 is the 100th anniversary of the Bears, and the Bears' two greatest legends are going to be honored right before opening day. Aaron, I know you want to talk about this. Yeah, uh, September 3rd, they're going to be unveiling two statues, which are going to be at Gate O uh, for uh, Soldier Field of uh, Papa Bear, George Hallis, founder of uh, the Bears, founder of the NFL, uh, and of course, uh, Sweetness, number 34, Walter Payton. Uh, so long time coming uh, for those guys to have statues. Um, you know, it's uh, it's nice to see. Um, you know, it's it's kind of frustrating that the team has to deal with the parks department the way that they do um, to get this stuff done. But um, it's good to see that, uh, you know, people are uh, the city and everybody's getting behind the bears. And and, um, you know, there should be there should be statues of those guys there already. But it's cool that they're that they're having it happen now. And um, it's going to be great to see. Uh, you know, if Harry Carey can get a statue out in front of Wrigley Field, there sure as hell better be a statue of Hallis and Walter Payton in front of Soldier Field. Um, so it's great to see. I'm excited. It should be fun, and it's going to be great photo opportunities whenever uh, you get down there. Can't wait to see it. Um, so we'll definitely have to take a selfie on opening night, you and me, in front of those statues. Um, the Bears had been in talks with the Peyton family just about from the time Walter died about a statue uh, honoring Walter Peyton. And they had some issues with the park district that you just mentioned, but also there was a dilemma in that Soldier Field is a shrine to the military. And the Chicago Bears organization, as classy as they are, had a little bit of a pause about putting statues of these guys out in front of the stadium because of the tradition and the fact that Soldier Field is dedicated to the military. They finally worked through those issues. This has been in the works now for some time, obviously, because dyes had to be cast and the sculptures had to be prepared. Uh, I want to give credit to Peyton's son, uh, Jared, because he and Brittany and Connie have kept this a secret. They've kept this under wraps until the Bears announced it later earlier this week. And I just am so tickled that this is finally happening. And no better way to do it than to begin the dawn of the second century of NFL football. So hats off to the McCaskies, hats off to the NFL uh, we even have to get, take our hats off to the Park District as much as we might not like to. But uh, all in all, it's just going to be a great time. I wish I could be down there for the unveiling, but I guess I'll have to wait until Thursday afternoon, the 5th of September, to uh, to see those statues. And I, for one, can't wait. I think I mentioned earlier in this broadcast that so many of our listeners and so many of the current fan base if you're 32 years old or younger, 
you never saw Walter Payton carry the ball in a live game. You've only seen tape of him. And go to YouTube and pull down Walter Payton's highlights from his his uh, most valuable player year, 1977. It's a tape that you will watch and your jaw will be dropped more often than it'll be shut when you see the types of runs that Walter ran off in that year. Just an absolutely incredible season. He had 203 or 205 yards. I don't have it in front of me against Green Bay. He had the 275-yard game against Minnesota. And probably the best game of all was his 192 or three-yard game against Kansas City the week before the Minnesota game where he scored three touchdowns in what is, in my mind, the greatest comeback in Bears history. So if you get a chance, go look at what Walter Payton did as a player. It was absolutely nothing short of amazing. And when it comes to George Hallis, Aaron said it best. He's the father of the Bears. He's the father of the NFL. He was there when it all began at a car dealership in Canton, Ohio in 19... 19, when the the uh, American Professional Football Players Association came to pass, two years after that, it became the NFL, and it's been the NFL ever since. George Hallis is the father of football. A lot of what he did to make this league grow in terms of revenue sharing and home-and-home home series still are in play today. And if it weren't for the, the, the George Hallis of what he brought to this game, NFL would not be what it is today. So it, it can't be more fitting than to unveil those two statues to start year 100. Absolutely. Um, you know, uh, you, you needed $100 to buy a team back then. And uh, they play, They had a good video today that they put up on the Bears site where Hallis is mentioning that, and he said, well, I think it's worth a little bit more than that now. Um, so, you know, to see where that came from, you know, to from a $100 franchise to a almost $3 billion franchise, um, just from a guy with, uh, with a vision and, you know, um, a guy with uh, the, the – the stick-to-itiveness and the uh, endurance to keep it going and the smarts to bring in, uh, you know, guys like Red Grange and <clears throat> Patty Driscoll and, and these guys to, to build really grassroots the, 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 the fame of this league, you know, um, to where it is now is, is uh, unbelievable. And 100 years seems like a long time, but... You know, to see how far it's come in just 100 years is is pretty amazing. Um, you know, the NFL is king, and uh, the Bears uh, being good uh, is as it should be uh, in in uh, football. So, um, another great part of this 100-year uh, uh, season and this 100-year celebration. Absolutely. Uh, on my Facebook profile, on my intro, I have a quote from George Hallis, and this speaks volume to what the passion he had about football. And he said simply, nothing is work unless you'd rather be doing something else. George Hallis never wanted to do anything else but football. With that, 
This concludes our episode of Halitech Hall for this week. Enjoy the game tonight. I don't know if this post will be up live on, on Podbean or on YouTube before the game starts, but uh, tune in when you get a chance. And as you follow us along, please remember, hit follow on Twitter. Once we get to 500 followers, TickSplits.com is giving us two tickets to the Detroit game in November. So our thanks to my producer and co-host, Aaron AA. My thanks to TickSplits.com. And, of course, my thanks to our listeners who, without you, Palatech Hall would be nothing. So thanks again, folks. Enjoy your week. Indeed. Thanks again, uh, Mr. Halitech, and uh, thanks for all the listeners. Please rate, uh, subscribe, and retweet. Uh, we do appreciate all the support. We appreciate all the interaction. And uh, go Bears. Uh, let's get a win, even if it is a preseason game. Uh, it is game day, and uh, it's a great day to be a Bears fan. Have a great week. <laughs>